Hi, everyone. My name is Miles Ferret, and I serve as the Assistant Director for Leadership in the Center for Student Engagement at George Washington University. I'm also happy to be your host for the NASA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. My guest today is Dr. Matt Clifford. Matt is an Associate Dean of Students and Director of Campus Life Projects at Wake Forest University. Previously, Matt served as, as Director of Residence Life at Wake Forest and Director of Residence Life at Jacksonville University in Florida. He's also worked in Residence Life at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He earned his Bachelor's of Arts in English from Davidson College, a Master's of Education in Higher Education and Student Affairs from the University of South Carolina, and his Doctor of Education in Higher Education from the University of North Florida. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Miles. I'm glad to be here. Um, I think this is a really cool thing that uh, that the SLPKC is doing, and as a, a, a past co-chair, um, immediate past co-chair, I'm really excited to see it, so happy to be here. Great. Well, thank you so much for the kind words and for uh, for joining me. So we'll get started with a with a segment called Rapid Fire. So I'm going to ask a big silly question and, and limit uh, Matt to a 30-second response. So my first question is, Matt or Matthew and why? Oh, um, Matt, for sure. Uh, my mm -hmm. mom calls me Matthew, um, but not when <laughs> I'm in trouble, just all the time, I think. So um, Matt, for sure. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I had this weird moment. My my two best friends during college were named uh, Nick and Miller, and uh, I ended up at one point calling them both by the names that their mothers called them. I don't know why that <laughs> ended up happening, but uh, yeah. Okay, so um, I've noticed that you know, in in preparation, uh, that um, in most of your professional shots, uh, you uh, wear a bow tie. So have you always been a bow tie guy, and, uh, and you know, and and what's the appeal of the bow tie for you? That's a good question. Um, I have not always been a bow tie guy. Um, when I when I started work at at Wake Forest, um, working in Florida was you know it's a it's a casual um, when you work at a at a school near the beach it's a casual kind of place. So I rarely wore ties um, in Florida, but when I came to work at Wake Forest, um, ties were the order of the day and continue to be, um, which is good. Um, and I was just looking for a way to distinguish myself. Um, and uh, a side note, I just wanted to learn how to tie a bow tie. So um, kind of as a, as a bicycle goes, once you, once you know how to do it, you, you really never forget. So um, I am frequently in bow ties, but not all the time. Okay. Great. Yeah. A little bit of Southern charm there too, returning, you know, returning back to North Carolina. So. Exactly. Yeah. Bring a, bring a bit of that back. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, uh, so I know that you do some work with a with a local nonprofit there in the Western Salem area. So, can you tell me about Sherwood Forest and your work with that group? Sure. Yeah. So it's called the Friends of Sherwood Forest, um, and it was started about five years ago. Um, and the focus of the group is really to um, to look at the gap, the funding gap, really between um, what local and state agencies are able to provide for um, for education and to shorten that gap. So it is a foundation, essentially, for um, for Sherwood Forest Elementary School. Um, and I'm the uh, current president of that group, and we're about to embark on our um, fundraising campaign for uh, for the year and looking at again how can we uh, continue to support a strong educational environment um, in the schools uh, and again especially closing the gap where um, state funding just falls short this is election year so state funding hasn't fallen so short um, <laughs> but we still um, we still have some gaps to close and we're able to fund positions um, in different ways where a PTA um, has bylaws that, that they can't do that 
Mm. Okay, great. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like I mean, it sounds like really meaningful work. So. Um, all right. So uh, Wake Forest, your current employer and and your employer for many years, and Davidson, your alma mater, playing in basketball. Where does your heart lead you? Oh goodness. Um, who is on? Who's going to listen to this? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, w- I would like to see Wake do well. Um, because we have uh, we have a great um, you know semi new coach and Danny Manning um, and I've been seeing a lot of uh, progress athletically speaking um, with some with some new coaches across the board um, so I would like to see Duke uh, to see Wake do well um, however I don't know um, I've always and for the past six years since I've been here I've wanted for Davidson and, and Wake to play because I think Davidson will win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've uh I've added myself on this podcast a couple of times before as a as a really big Duke basketball fan, so it doesn't really align with the align too much with the the conversation. But people are really excited about Danny Manning there awake for sure. Yeah. So. I should say my heart leads me to Davidson, my wallet leads me to Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So I know that you were a college swimmer. Uh, so who is, and you know, we're in the, the post Olympics, uh, swimming buzz. So who is your favorite swimmer? Yeah. So I, um, that's a good question. Um, and the, when the Olympics comes around, it's like, a it's like, um, you know, like the biggest holiday, but it only comes every four years, um, for, uh, for swimmers when, when swimming is on prime time and, uh, and gets big, big recognition. So, um, and then when it's over, we go back to, um, you know, college football and, and NFL last night and, and what have you, but I love the Olympics. Um, and I like seeing amateur sports play out in, in good ways. Um, mm-hmm. I was a sprint freestyler. So, mm-hmm. um, my favorite swimmer and probably at the time, you know, when I was, when I was swimming in that, in that, um, you know, some years ago, uh, was Gary Hall Jr. Um, mm-hmm. he was a sprint freestyler carried the, carried the flag in to, um, to one of the Olympics opening ceremonies, but, um, and, uh, always just, oh, splash and dash, um, was, uh, that was my, that was my thing. So it was, um, idolizing someone who could, uh, who could do that really well was, uh, was something I looked for. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of amazing. His contemporary, Anthony Irving, uh, just won a, won a medal again, 16, I think I 15 years that. later, which is that, so wild. Yeah, really cool story um, to see Anthony um, and knowing a little bit about his background, um, you know, struggling with uh, substance use and depression and what have you, and then seeing somebody sort of fight back um, at a not advanced age. I'm not. He's not a, um, <laughs> but he's he's older than um, to have that kind of longevity is really um, pretty inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's particularly strange in such like a because sprint freestyling is such like kind of a quick twitch young person's kind of game, right? Yeah. So, um, well, maybe maybe he shows that I should get back in the pool. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know Tokyo twenty twenty. That could be yeah, for right. you, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So uh, what? So what's the best book about leadership? The this is a this is an interesting question. A question um, um, that that I think a lot about, um, I'm going to give a pretty 
uh, unique answer. So, mm. and, and I may, I'll try to keep it under 30 seconds. But I recently led a, uh, a book discussion group for orientation um, mm-hmm. at, at Wake Forest. We don't have a singular common read, um, but faculty and staff are allowed to choose a book that um, addresses a theme mm-hmm. and, um, and lead a book discussion with first-year students. So I had, um, I chose, our theme at Wake Forest this year was citizenship. Um, which, I, of course, I think has a lot to do with leadership. Um, mm-hmm. And I chose the book Divergent, um, mm-hmm. which is, again, a fiction book, um, like one some uh, pretty popular in the, in the sort of uh, teen world, if you will, um, movies made and what, whatnot. But um, it was just a really great book about leadership in the midst of challenges to identity, challenges to your purpose in the world, challenges to community. Um, and I, I think the concept of citizen leadership um, was is, is very critical right now in our in our world. Um, I, certainly we are into an election season, but um, that's really critical and it is critical to a, a lot of our work in ODK. Um, so a little bit of a different answer there for you. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No. That's uh, that. I would describe that as very unique. How did that? Did the students opt in, or were they sort of a? Were they assigned? A, a yeah, they allowed. They were allowed to choose um, which uh, which section appealed to them. Um, it's an optional uh, program, but I think we still had. We have about a third of our students um, choose to opt into that um, program, mm. and uh, maybe forty percent. And um, they're allowed to choose the choose the book discussion that speaks to them and we had a really robust conversation and um, again looking at dystopian literature where you know the world has gone wrong hunger games divergent the like um, it's interesting to see what what from a leadership perspective what qualities are needed in that kind of environment so mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're in a dystopian world right now but um, <laughs> <laughs> Although there are, we have our moments, um, but it's interesting to uh, to think in in those ways. Okay, so uh, we will move on to our next segment, which is higher ed two truths and a lie. So I'm going to provide Matt with two true stories from higher ed current events and one lie, and Matt, you're going to have to parse out the lie. So the theme this time around is protest. Um, are you ready for your three options? I am. I hope I don't fail. <laughs> I think. Um, well, you know, most people do. So don't Good don't know. worry if it if it goes sideways for you. It's uh, it's not an easy game. <laughs> um, all right. So your first option is a professor at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania recently ended ended his hunger strike after beginning the protest due to his tenure case being denied by the university president despite faculty approval. So. Uh, that's your first option, it's hunger strike. Uh, the next one is the students, some students at the University of Montana were recently arrested for living in trees in protest of the construction of a transglacier highway which is designed to make the national park more accessible. So that's your second option is a tree, uh, living in trees. And then the third option is the New York Federation of College Republicans recently revoked the credentials of Cornell's chapter following the following Cornell's decision to endorse Gary Johnson instead of Donald Trump in the upcoming election. So your options are hunger strike at Lafayette College, uh, living in trees at the University of Montana, or uh, Cornell's 
uh, Cornell's College Republicans losing their chapter for supporting Gary Johnson. Wow. Um, and good, good topic. Um, and again, especially in light of, uh, what I was just saying about, um, citizenship and, and, uh, mm-hmm. activism, um, which I think has a, an important role in our world. Um, I'm going to go with living in trees. Okay. So you think living in trees is the fake one. So, uh, you are, uh, to succinctly describe it. Correct. Uh, that is, uh, that is the fake one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's just call it a day. Let, let's end on a high note. <laughs> All right. All right. Talk to you later. Um, yeah, so uh, the professor at Lafayette College did uh, engage in a hunger strike after having his tenure case denied. Apparently that's being re-reviewed now. I had and, uh Oh, you knew that one? Gosh, I did know that one. Too good. Um, and then uh, the, the New York Federation of College Republicans did revoke Cornell's chapter. Um, I don't really know how you know forceful that revoking of the chapter is, but um, that did happen. So presumably, they're uh, still able to continue on their campus. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think the university would be revoking. <laughs> um, yeah, and the uh, the Trans Glacier Highway. Uh, I think Glacier's already pretty overrun. Just as a you know sort of insider note, for, as someone who does a lot of outdoor stuff, and uh, but it is. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't think they need to be more accessible. But uh, that is based on a, a story very adjacent to my life. But I had a friend from college who uh, who was dating someone who got arrested for living in the tree in protest. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the background there. Okay, so uh, our next segment is uh, designed to help the listeners understand Matt a little bit better as a, personal and a person and a professional, and it's called Getting to Know Matt. So my first question there is, who inspired you to go into student affairs? Oh goodness, uh, Katie O'Dare. She um, uh, she was my boss at uh, at MIT, um, and um, it, which was a great role. Uh, it was a uh, just a bachelor's level, entry level position. We need more of those in the mm. field. Um, I didn't I didn't come out of uh, out of Davidson and go straight into a master's program. Um, so. I would love to see our, our profession build out more of those kind of roles um, for students um, and for, for employees. Um, but she was just a, she was a great supervisor and, um, and, and, uh, and mentored me along um, into the field. Um, she is still in the Boston area and has taken a new job at Harvard. So mm-hmm. congratulations, Katie. Katie, congrats. Shout out. Um. Okay, great. Um, okay, so who is the best leader you know and why? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I kind of want to say Mike Christakis, my, uh, the <laughs> um, my, our predecessor um, for, for ODK. I think Mike, I'll, I'll say, I will say some things about Mike. Mike is, um, is a really inspiring leader, and I have le- had a chance to, work, to learn a lot from him, uh, from ODK, working with a, working in a nonprofit. Um, and, um He's uh, he's very sharp mind, um, and um, and has a very strong vision. Um, but he's also eminently relatable, um, regardless of your background, regardless of 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 where you're coming from, the station in life, if you will. Um, but he's uh, he's been a real a, a joy to watch him lead, um, and hopefully I can 
do a bit of living up to his legacy in that regard. Um, I would also say um, we just I, we just had a initial uh, fall leadership summit at Wake Forest and had the chance to hear our vice president uh, speak, uh, Dr. Penny Rue, um, and she is an, a fabulous leader. Um, you know, she is. Um, um, does really well to get everyone involved in the organization and seek out leadership um, at all levels to um, give give folks opportunities to grow in their um, professionally and to have opportunities to step up. Um, so she does really well to seek out leadership again at all levels and. Um, not only just to get to know people, but to really find out uh, their talents and to put those uh, talents to good use. Hmm. Okay, great. Have you uh, have you seen any of the the memes that you Albany has put together with Microsoftus? Because I think they're pretty hilarious. Oh my gosh, no! I got to tap into those though. Yeah, you should. Uh, I think you can look on uh, on Twitter if you, or I think you can Google Christakis Cam. He's been doing these uh, like tours of. <laughs> <laughs> some updates to the to the student union there that um, I would really really recommend. Gotcha. Again, that's the, back to that. He's a he's just a really playful guy, um, mm-hmm. and and that makes him really relatable um, to, um, especially again working with college students. I think that's that's really helpful. But he's also, um, you know, exceedingly professional, and when he needs to. Um, run a board meeting and interact with donors, um, then he, he relates well to that, uh, to that group as well. Yeah, we better, better not mention this to him so we, he doesn't hear us speaking kindly about okay. him in a public or private space, but I don't okay. think that would go well. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so uh, a big reason why uh, I, I invited you here was to talk about, uh, was to talk about Omicron Delta Kappa, of which you're the national president. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But how did you get involved with that group? Um, I was inducted as a as a student at Davidson, um, and uh, and and that was uh, that was my initial involvement. Um, I didn't really have much to do with that after that. But uh, when I started working at uh, Jacksonville University, our dean of students at the time, this is perhaps just a podcast of shout-outs, uh, Brian Cooker, who's now the vice president at Goucher College in uh, north of Baltimore. Um, but Brian brought in a, a box into my office, and uh, it was the ODK box, and said, um, I want you to be the advisor for this group. And um, was the faculty advisor uh, for my time at, at, at Jacksonville University um, for five years, and when I came to Wake Forest, I um, I immediately reached out to our faculty advisor here, and I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you need? I, I was the advisor at my former institution. I'm happy to help. And she said, great, here you go. <laughs> I'm ready to step <laughs> down. Um, so I, I've been the faculty advisor um, ever since here. Um, and through, uh, through really 
fortune and, and circumstance um, and a little bit of serendipity, um, had the chance to um, to meet Tara through a mutual friend, uh, Tara, Dr. Tara Singer, who is our executive director at ODK. Um, met her through a mutual friend um, in Jacksonville. And um, she reached out to me and, and thought, you know, I was a really strong faculty advisor and um, was obviously involved with the student leadership programs knowledge community at the time within NASPA and um, asked me to run for a board position. And that was that. Hmm. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll circle back to ODK in just a couple of minutes. But um, from, you know, from your role with ODK and also from your, from your role as the, as the past chair of the uh, SLPKC, what colleges do you think are doing leadership work really well? You know, where should people be looking for, you know, this is great content, great information? Yeah, I don't um I would I'd hesitate to like single out um single out colleges. So I I might skirt around this question a bit um because I know <laughs> that I would miss uh I would miss some some schools who are doing some really great work. What I what I um you know, I tend to do is is single out some of our circles in ODK uh who are who are doing, you know, some really great things. Uh, ODK is, uh, the chapters are called circles. Um, and, and those circles, uh, we have a, a system of, uh, of recognition and, and ways that we can, uh, we can, again, uh, note, note circles who are doing really good things. So I think, um, now looking at those circles, uh, circles like the University of South Carolina, circles like uh, Stephen F. Austin, circles like Hamline, um, and, uh, and outside of Minnesota, um, are are circles that I think are are doing really well, um, do leadership really well at their at their institutions. Um, but but additionally, there are I mean there's there are circles um, you know. We have three over close to 300 circles um, right now, and um, there's a there's a lot who are doing really really well. Um, again, whether it's uh, Florida Southern or Grand Valley State, Morningside College. Um, again, so I said I wouldn't name them, but of course now I'm off naming them. <laughs> but I, I would gotcha. point to those those circles who are and those because the, that circle recognition program. Um, Recognizing recognizes circles that are doing really good work, and so it's a really nice, um, legitimate, um, vetted process for for recognizing the the colleges that and universities that are doing leadership really well at the undergraduate level. So um, you can find that on our website. Um, the we have circle recognition um, uh, awards uh, on the on the ODK website, which is at odk.org. Okay. Great. So uh, my last question for the Getting to Know Mad segment is, what experience most informed how you think about yourself as a leader? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, what experience informed how I most think about myself as a leader? Um, you know, I would probably say um, my experience as a college athlete was uh, was the most formative. Um, I wasn't a team captain, um, and I wasn't the best swimmer in the pool, that's for sure. Um, but leading a group um, of really high-achieving, goal-oriented individuals towards um, towards a purpose and, and a, uh, you know, trying to 
trying to do well, um, both individually and collectively, um, at a young age was really important for me. Um, and I learned, I think, the value of, of getting people on board um, and motivating people um, a lot through that experience. Okay. All right, so we're going to transition to our last segment, which is called Six Big Leadership Questions. So for my first question, uh, to kind of circle back to our conversation about ODK, what is the place of ODK in the student leadership program's world? Yeah, that's, I mean, um, that's a really good question. We are, I mean, as at, at, our, at our heart, um, a, a honor society. Um, so that is, you know, that is our, we're 100 years old, 100 plus years old right now, um, National Leadership Honor Society, um, recognizing um, excellence in uh, scholarship, athletics, campus community service, social religious activities, campus government, journalism, speech to the mass media, and creative and performing arts. Uh, so those are our five phases of campus life where we recognize leadership. Um, and it's a, something that's really unique about ODK is this attention certainly to the undergraduate experience in leadership, but also a heavy emphasis on recognizing leadership within faculty and staff out in the community, graduate students, and bringing together those groups, that sort of intergenerational nature of leadership has always been really important uh, to ODK. So I think that's, that's really valuable. Whereas um, some... Some leadership programs, uh, you know, traditional leadership programs at the undergraduate level are really just focusing on that undergraduate student. ODK focuses on the breadth of leadership that's observed in, um, in the university setting and, in, and what happens in the community. Um, I think from a, you know, where does ODK contribute to the student leadership space is, um, and that's what we've, we've been doing more work on recently um, with our, we've got a 2024 long-range plan um, that really looks at um, looks at how ODK can own the leadership space or be more of a be more of a player in that leadership space. Um, we've got a new website up, odkleadershipmatters.org, um, that collects resources and um, allows students and others to assess their leadership potential and apply their leadership talents um, in some specific ways and also tells, tells folks about ODK. So those are, th that's a little, again, we don't, we don't, aim to uh, to to be a leadership program that's uh, you know that that's that's like uh, like like you'd find on a campus or like a like you'd find in a leadership major or minor um, but we try to bring together those resources honor and and recognize excellence in leadership where we see it and I think we will be doing more of again because this is outlined in our in our long-range plan curriculum development research um, and the like, just really, really doing well on those fronts. Okay. Great. So uh, I, you mentioned earlier that ODK is on almost 300 campuses. How does the organization get to campus? What's the mechanism for that process? Sure. Well, we have um, we have an a extension um, director, and um, our headquarters is in Lexington, Virginia. Um, but really, just reaching out to us um, at the uh, reach out to me um, if you're if you're listening and you're curious about ODK, um, and we will g we go through a process of of uh, you know finding out um, you know 
what what support is there at the institutionally at the institution financial and otherwise um you know what's uh there might be you might have 50 students who are really excited this year uh, but we're uh, we're primarily concerned about how how can we sustain growth um and mm-hmm. um and strengthen the inner circle um there is a small financial commitment of course um as you would have for any other organization um but that's really important where we are sort of our alpha model um is is to have a a committee appointed by um, by the president of the of the institution that represents again those five phases, um, and that's a pretty that is a a strong model that works really well. Um, and if we can if we can get that kind of buy-in um, at the at the top level, um, then that's that's pretty critical to um, to a success the success of a circle. However, that's not the only route. Um, there are many campuses who have strong support um, institutionally at the VP level and and are and flourish quite well, even though that they may not follow that alpha circle model. Hmm. Alpha model, strong name for a model and strong <laughs> model. It sounds like. Um, so I know that the Leadership Matters initiative is something that's, uh, that's been really important to you. So can you tell me a little bit, you, you touched on that a moment ago, but can you tell me a little bit more about that initiative and sort of what that means for ODK broadly? Yeah, um, so it was a pretty big deal. Um, and again, you can find that at odkleadershipmatters.org. Part of our and was part of our uh, strategic plan or part of our long-range plan to, uh, to create a, a hub if you will, of, of leadership resources, um, ways for, for individuals to learn about leadership, um, also learn about ODK for sure, um, ways for, for individuals to learn how to apply their leadership talents and learn from other leaders. Um, so it exists outside of our of our website. There are a lot of parts of the of that leadership matters that you don't need to be a member um, to access. So it's very public. Um, and again, we wanted to create something that was a a hub of leadership for um, for our members, for circles themselves, um, if they're looking to um, enhance and develop leadership at the circle level, um, but also for leadership educators, um, folks who are likely listening to this podcast, to be able to go to that website site um, and, and and peruse it and find resources that might be helpful, whether they have a circle on their campus or not, whether they're a member or not. Um, so that's a, that was a big effort for us. Um, I was the chair of the ODK Research and Curriculum Development Committee, um, and a lot of the work um, came through that committee. So it was really nice to see the leadership within ODK at the volunteer level, um, having people step up and create the website, um, recommend resources and craft language, and then to see it um, come to fruition and, and go live, if you will. Um, we unveiled the website formally at, um, at our biennial convention this summer um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. So you recently transitioned out of residence life, but have spent most of your career in that, to use a microstockism space. Uh, so what are uh, what are effective ways to incorporate leadership concepts into residential engagement? That's a good question. And when you were reading my um, bio, I realized, wow, that is a that's a lot of residence life <laughs> stuff. Um, I mean, I think that it's um, you know it's. It's a critical area, a space, if you will. Uh, thank you, 
Dr. Christakis, um, <laughs> to to use in that in that way. I mean, I, what, what's one of the great things about the student leadership programs knowledge community is that it's it's a multidisciplinary group. Um, you've got folks from orientation and residence life and um, civic engagement. Um, you've got faculty members who are teaching in leadership programs. You have people who are in student activities and might be directing leadership programs on their campuses. Um, but it's uh, again, it's just a really valuable group, um, and I felt very welcomed um, in a residence life, first coming from residence life within that group, even though I didn't formally uh, direct a leadership program. I think, again, it comes back to me um, to bring it back a little bit to um, to this concept of citizenship leaders uh, or citizen leaders um, and what can we, what can campuses do in their residential communities um, to develop the concept of leaders and build citizen leaders. Um, that is a, that's a, it's a robust community. The residential community can be a very robust community um, on campuses and we need strong citizens in those communities. Um, so how do you, how do you impart that and develop that, those important quality, qualities of, of being a, a citizen leader, things that, um, that I would argue um, listening to people, uh, listening to people's truth, being able to create spaces where people can bring that truth to the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, again, that's critical for residential engagement um, is being able to create those kind of spaces. Um, and we need to allow people to, cr to create those spaces for themselves, but how do we promote those? Um, and those spaces can't be um, on the peripheral of, of our communities. They need to really, those residential communities, they really need to be core um, spaces that are important to um, central valued, powerful spaces um, in the residential environment um, where, again, this is both physical spaces and metaphysical spaces. Um, and, be, and then, again, sort of taking risks toward um, really creating a community that that is where where people can can be themselves, can can bring that truth uh, uh, to their environment. Um, and I think those are some some really critical qualities for citizen leaders. And I think that if we um, if residential if residence life and, uh, um, departments residential engagement efforts are are doing some of those things, then I think we. The, those areas would be preparing students to do really good work when they um, enter our communities at large, um, their their local communities, state communities, national and international communities. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm going to speak for you here for just a moment because I don't imagine that you'll say this yourself. So you're really excellent at professional engagement and have done really well outside of your direct role. So what advice do you have for effectively getting involved outside of your you know day-to-day -day work on your campus? Yeah, I, uh, thank you. Um, I um, the SLPKC has a mentoring program, so brief plug. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, uh, we've, we've done that for a number of years and, um, and do that at the national conference and at regional conferences. So I had a, a mentor uh, or mentee rather at, um, at the national conference this past year. And I spoke about, 
you know, for me, I think it's um, being willing to to raise your hand. Um, and even if that means that you are, because again, from a professional engagement and, and um, involvement perspective, it's all—I mean, it's all volunteer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of really, really valuable benefits: um, the relationships, the um, the satisfaction of of working on an effort um, with others who are equally passionate as you. Um, there are a lot of, and certainly the networking and, and what have you that comes along with that, but there are a lot of really valuable benefits to that. But um, but nobody gets paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you've got to raise your hand. There are a few people who are willing to raise their hands. Um, and to put themselves out there, even if it's something that you don't know a lot about, you probably you might have skills that you can contribute to um, to an effort. Even though you might have content, you might not have content-specific knowledge. You know, you might you might know a lot about social media. You might know a lot about uh, marketing. You might know a lot about program development or assessment, um, and be able to apply those talents. And when people ask for um, volunteers or applications. I mean, just put yourself out there, um, and and when you're in that space, seek to develop relationships with others, not just get in and get out um, to put it on your resume. Um, mm-hmm. So that was something that was always really critical for me was raising my hand, and when I didn't get picked, that's okay. I'm gonna. I'm still here. I'm still raising my hand. I'm literally raising my hand in my office right now. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm here. I, I'm willing to work. I'm I'm willing to put in the effort. Um, and so, raising your hand, developing relationships with people while you're doing that, and then following through um, is 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 really critical as well. And that's what I some of the advice that I gave to my mentee um, uh, at NASPA was that, okay, that's great if you volunteer. But if you fall off, then I, that leaves a different impression on people. Um, so being able to follow through on something, and then it's likely that um, that a, a co-chair of a of a knowledge community or an ASPA president or a vice president in another school is going to see those efforts and um, want to put you on something else on a volunteer level or or bigger and better things. So um, I think that's just really important. If you don't raise your hand, if you never put yourself out there, put, you know, put your foot in the water, if you will, um, you won't uh, I think that you're of diminished likelihood of, of having future opportunities. So um, I, I think that is the most important thing is to really, um, again, raise your hand, especially if it's outside your full-time role. Um, and that means on campus as well as 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 um, as outside of your campus environment, mm-hmm. raising your hand, if you will. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of great information, a lot of wisdom there. I think that the I think that the you've got to raise your hand point. I mean, all of all of that is is just so true. But I think we have a field that is very deferential and very meek, and I think that sometimes you just need to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit and not assume that there's, you know, people who are, you know, sort of imminently more qualified than you for that role and that you don't have value to add, you know. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, the further I get into this stuff, the more I realize that sort of your last point about following through there is ultimately, like, I'm sure, as uh, I'm, you know, you just want people who you can rely upon in this volunteer role who are actually, like, you know, who aren't just doing this for the resume but are actually doing it to contribute and people who you can rely on to do things, you know, to, to follow through on significant things that you're, you know, as a group trying to get done. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so it, uh, you've mentioned this a couple of times already. We've taken very little time. This is a group that means a lot to both of us, but taken very little time to sort of promote the SLPKC other than, you know, at the beginning, at the end, and just sort of as like little drive-by. So um, why do you think that people who are listening here should be involved with the SLPKC, and what do you think, you know, what sort of outcomes or what sort of positive outcomes come from that, that, that engagement? That's a good question, and again, just a great group to raise your hand with. Um, we the, the SLPKC needs uh, needs volunteers. It's the largest KC in NASPA, or at least it was last year. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of hands that are out there that could be raised. Um, there's a lot of really good work that can be done. Um, so really, again, just putting yourself out there. Um, I think for uh, it's a great group. Um, you know, when I was considering raising my hand, putting my application in for a, for a leadership position um, several years ago. I was looking to get involved at the national level um, because I wanted to, I, in part I just wanted to have that experience. My network was, um, was rather small and regional, strong, I mean, and, and I, and I, um, the NASPA Region 3 in the Southeast region um, is, a, is a valuable region for me. Um, but I wanted to see what it was like to, to be involved with uh, on the national stage and to work with colleagues from across the country and internationally. So, um, and the SLPKC is, I, first for me, I saw a lot of my work there. So in part, it's a, it is just a content-based thing um, mm -hmm. in the sense that, but I, and I think that student leadership programs and student leadership, um, again, it's, it cuts across all levels. Like I mentioned, it's a very multidisciplinary approach um, from from orientation to faculty to um, you know to formal leadership programs and leadership areas. So um, as far as why should people be involved, I mean, they're just great people um, who are who are in the leadership role yourself. Um, Kim and Jimmy are our co-chairs. Um, I had the pleasure of um, serving as co-chair with uh, Daniel Kleist, who um, who works in Washington State. Um, just in part, just really great people um, that that you have the chance to work with, and and the chance again, it's a knowledge community. So you have the really unique opportunity to develop, um, distribute, and cultivate knowledge across the country um, in a specific content area with, um, with student leadership programs. But um, that's a pretty broad area, and we can touch on a lot in that way. And you can share things that are happening on your campus, um, as well as learn about things that are happening in other campuses. And so that's a really critical piece. So um, I think the SLPKC does really well at involving um, people at all levels. Um, we've got um, we've had undergrads involved um, in leadership and volunteer roles, graduate students, and 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 you know 
certainly entry level, mid level, senior pro and senior level professionals who um, who've been involved with the KC. And um, and there's different ways to be involved in the sense that you know there are really nice kind of um, low threshold entry points that you can you can just dip your toes in the water um, and see how that feels. And then there are jump jump in the deep into the deep end kind of opportunities as well um which which you know involve uh involve a lot of work um but a lot of really good work so i think there's a lot of there's a wide range of of opportunities to be involved okay so that is uh that is it for us so thanks everyone for joining us for the nasa leadership podcast which is presented by our off discussed in this podcast nasa student leadership program college community well, and thanks to Matt Clifford for giving his time this early uh, in the morning. Uh, Matt's an exemplary professional and a true leader within the field. Also, uh, really gutted it out because Matt's feeling a little under the weather. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for, thanks for uh, working through that. Um, parting words of wisdom, Matt, if you had any uh, one bit of advice to give an aspiring student, leader, student affairs practitioner, what would you pass along? Um, you know, I would say that um, – and thank you. Yeah, the cold I think is catching up with me at the end of the hour here. But um, as you're, you know, as you're either involved in leadership or um, or want to get involved in leadership, I think people are excited about leadership when they can and change, especially when they can participate in it. Again, this goes back to that citizen community leader concept um, that ODK is. Uh, and, and, and I know other campuses and, and, um, and leadership educators are committed to is creating and supporting campus leaders today and community leaders tomorrow. Um, but we can't get to that um, unless we we create and support um, opportunities for, for students and faculty and staff to really explore what it means to, to be a citizen leader um, and to participate in change and not to have change sort of forced down their throats. Um, and, uh, but really, so when you're thinking about change or, um, or leadership, really do what you can to Im involve all levels um, and not just, um, not just at the highest levels. Um, that's, really, that's really valuable. We, at, our, at our ODK convention, we had an open spaces concept. So, and I, there are likely folks who are familiar with open spaces or World Cafe or other concepts around dialogue. So mm. what, what can it look like to really gather input from our, our citizens, our community members, whether that community is a, is a residence hall floor or a department or a, a, a classroom, an office? Um, what does it look like to gather input from our, our community members, listen to that input, and involve people in um, decisions in, our, in those organizations and communities? So I think that's what citizen, citizen leadership really is and community leadership really is. Um, and I would love to, um, to see folks doing that more precisely. Hmm. Or just talking about it more, especially this year. Again, we've got... Um, in an election year, um, we're thinking a lot about our citizenship and what that means. Mm. And sometimes okay. it means protesting and living in trees. Mm. <laughs> sometimes it does, but not in uh, not in this case, not in the, not at the <laughs> University of Montana, which, nope. you, which you uh, carefully carefully uh, clued out there. So, anywho, uh, thanks, Matt, again for joining me. You can get in touch with Matt on Twitter at mwclifford or at president at odk.org.
And you can also get more information generally about ODK at odk.org, and you can uh, find out more about the Leadership Matters Initiative at odkleadershipmatters.org. Um, you can also get more information about the knowledge community on our various social media outlets, including Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash SALEAD, on Twitter at NASPA SLPKC, or on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. And you can also connect with me on Twitter at Miles, that's M-Y-L-E-S underscore Surrett, S-U-R-R-E-T-T. And finally, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast and sharing information about something that you're doing on your campus, we'd love to hear about your program. So please shoot an email to naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks, Miles. Again, uh, I think this is a great effort, and um, I'm glad to be a part of it. So Sure. Well, thank you. Appreciate it.